Rachel, I brought receipts. Thank you for joining our podcast, Honestly Booked. I'm your host, Ariel, on Instagram under at Are You Ready to Read with Four Eyes. And I'm your host, Rachel, on Instagram under at Paperbacks and Sketchbooks. This is a conversational podcast devoted to books, all thing books with no genre discrimination. We hope with this podcast, we will expand your TBR. So please do us a favor and follow us on Instagram at Honestly Booked. And like and follow us on Spotify as well. This helps to get our podcast out there. Welcome to episode two, where we had a very fun past week reading all things Christmas. And I don't know about you, but not everything that I read was up to par. Some stuff was just so overly cheesy. As you would say, it's loaded with nacho cheese. Loaded. I was honestly disappointed with some of the books that I read. Which is so surprising to me because I felt like this was going to be right up your alley. You know, you're a romance lover. Our theme is holiday reads. I figured, you know, the more hallmarky, the better. And I was actually surprised that two out of your three books were misses. Like that surprised me. I know. And it surprised me as well because I was like, well, I usually enjoy romances. I love cheesiness. Not too (laughs) cheesy, but just cheesy enough. Um, I love like usually friends to lovers that doesn't bother me but like one of the ones I read and that you read too was just it was beyond bad but there were some that I read that were pretty good there was one that I gave five stars which I'm super excited to talk about so that was a win for me I had the same thing I had two misses Um, I had one DNF and I had one that was actually four stars. It would have been five if not for the ending, but we'll, you know, we'll get into that. Like it completely got covered in every single variety of cheese you could have gotten <laughs> from the store. Like it was ridiculous. So since we are to on the topic of like holiday reads, season reads, are you a season reader? I'm not. The only books I'll read during the fall season are the Harry Potter books. And I say that cautiously because I know you're not into Harry Potter. <laughs> That's just so random to me. But you don't read any like Halloween books on Halloween or Valentine's Day on Valentine's Day or Christmas around Christmas usually? I I don't. I don't really. Like this year is brand new for me reading Christmas books around Christmas time. I usually don't read any Christmas books. It's actually same for me. Um, I'm not a season reader. I, you know, I see people posting like they're reading the spooky horror books in Halloween. And I'm like, I do that all year long, baby, like catch up. (laughs) Um, What was your latest read, Rachel? My latest read, I'm super excited about this one. It was One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. And I actually really loved it. It has a four star rating on Goodreads. And I also gave it four stars. So One Last Stop is about a cynical 23-year-old named August. She moved to New York City and is supposed to prove a few things to herself. Things like magic and cinematic love stories don't exist, and the only smart way to go through life is alone. She can't imagine how waiting tables at a 24-hour pancake diner and moving in with too many weird roommates could possibly change that. And there's certainly no chance of her subway commute being anything more than a daily trudge through boredom and electrical failures. But then she meets a gorgeous girl on the train. Her name is Jane. She's dazzling, charming, mysterious, impossible Jane. August's subway crush becomes the best part of her day. But pretty soon she discovers there's one big problem. 
Jane doesn't just look like an old school punk rocker. She's literally displaced in time from the 1970s. And August is going to have to use everything she tried to leave in her own past to help her. Maybe it's time to start believing in some things after all. So from that description, you can kind of tell that there's some paranormal activity happening in this book, which I had no idea before I got to that part in the book, because again, I'm a cover lover, as we all know by now. And I, I picked it up based on the cover. I, I thought it was just going to be your typical romance novel. It was all colorful. There were two people on the front. And in big, bold letters, it said one last stop. So I just assumed it was it was going to be strictly romance. So when I got about a quarter of the way through, I realized that it was not a typical romance. They were talking about moving through time and having a seance to like get a ghost to talk to them. And I was like, what in the world is going on? But oddly, it, it worked with the story. So even though I wasn't expecting it, it actually ended up being really good. The only thing I do wish was that the displaced in time part of the book was introduced sooner. Because when I was like on page 100 or something like that, I still had no idea that displaced in time was going to be a theme. I just thought this girl met another girl on the subway and she kept running into her and she was going to like go on a date with her and all that jazz. But then this girl was like, oh, no, I can't. And then it's revealed around there that she can't even get off the train because she's like stuck on the train. It's the strangest thing ever. And I almost stopped reading the book because of that. But I'm glad I kept going because it was actually really good. Well, that's good. Good. And you rated it four stars, you said? I did. I gave it four stars. So I definitely think it's worth a read. Well, my latest read, I gave four stars as well. And I don't know if you guys remember from last time, but I brought up the book, The Personal Assistant by Kimberly Bell. And it was, I was reading it through a buddy read kind of thing, you know, where you read a certain amount of chapters a day. And basically it's about a influencer who gets drunk one night with her assistant and she posts a bad post that immediately all her followers turn toxic on her. And it's a very controversial post and it goes viral in the worst possible way. Well, she reaches out to her assistant for damage control, but all of a sudden her assistant has gone silent. Uh, This woman that she trusted with all her secrets, who has access to all her personal information, front row seats to the pressure points in her marriage and her family life is now missing. And the police are looking to her and her husband for answers. As she's digging into her identity, a woman is found murdered. And she finds that the greatest threat is not online, but in her own living room. Now, this was written in alternating perspectives between Alex, her husband, and the mysterious uh, uh, personal assistant. Oh, my God. I don't know why I was stumbling over that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it was a juicy cat and mouse story that is keeping me guessing until the very end. And it did. It truly did. It went a little left field at the end, but I wasn't super upset with that. It had all of the aspects of a popcorn thriller. A popcorn thriller is usually a thriller that, you know, you can binge really quick. It's not super deep. And I liked that. I liked that for the first 80% of the book, I was so confused and was just not sure where the author was going. That's definitely why I got four stars. Like I said, the ending was kind of like, it's kind of rushed for me at the end. And it didn't completely kill the book, obviously, because it got four stars. But it did kind of like make me like, eh. you know, when I was ending it, I was like, right. oh, well, okay, you know, um, I guess that I guess I'm okay with that. But the average rating on Goodreads is only 3.6. And I gave it four. So that was The Personal Assistant by Kimberly Bell. So it looks like we both had some decent 
good latest reads. What's your obsession of the week, Rachel? I'm obsessed with the Ordinary's Chemical Peel. It's a skincare product. I don't know if you're familiar. It's in like a little bottle with a dropper. It's red. It's the AHA and BHA one. And it just makes my skin feel so incredibly soft after I use it. You're only supposed to use it once a week. And I've been using it for a little bit now. And I can notice the difference. My skin is brighter. It's smoother. It's softer. And I would completely recommend it to anybody who struggles with feeling like their skin is actually super clean. After I use it, I'm like, oh my God, I've never felt so clean in my life. It's amazing. Do you have dry skin or oily skin? I have super oily skin and it's so annoying because I break out so easily. I'm the complete opposite. And it's so hard finding a good like moisturizer that's okay for my face. That's not too scented. You know, it's, it's so hard, but that sounds, that sounds awesome. What was the name of that again? Um, It's the Ordinary's AHA and BHA chemical peel. My obsession of the week is actually, and you're going to literally crack up, Rachel, but (laughs) it's the minestrone soup from Olive Garden. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So I just recently announced that I'm pregnant and I am almost 12 weeks and I am in this stage. I just now hit the craving stage and yesterday and the day before I was craving minestrone soup from Olive Garden. So I actually got, they unfortunately, Olive Garden doesn't do like DoorDash or anything. They do do to go, but you have to like go pick it up. Well, me and my husband only have one car right now. So I put it in order and made him go pick it up and he brought it back and I ate like all of it. And then I got sick, obviously, because I got a half gallon. It was so good though. But that's, that's my obsession of the week. If you like soup and you like Olive Garden, please let me know if that's your favorite. I have tried all four of them, but I don't know why the minestrone one just hits different. I don't think I've ever had soup from Olive Garden, but in general, I like minestrone soup. So I'm sure I'd like the minestrone. It's it's really good. So what are you currently reading? So I'm reading a book called Someday Maybe, which I believe you're going to be reading as well, right, Rachel? Yes, I am. It's for our personal little book club that we're in. And it has a 4.03 rating on Goodreads. So, and it's got quite a few ratings. It's a stunning and witty debut novel about a young woman's emotional journey through unimaginable loss. Here are three things you should know about my husband. One, he was the great love of my life, despite his penchant for going incommunicado. Two, he was, as far as I and everyone else could tell, perfectly happy, which is significant because three, on New Year's Eve, he committed suicide. And here's one thing you should know about me. One, I found him. Bonus fact, no, I am not okay. This looks like it's going to tug at my heartstrings. Looks like it's going to be hard because suicide is so, it's so hard. It's so hard on the people around you. It's so hard on like you, you know, just everything. And I really hope this debut author does a good job with accurately portraying mental health, you know, all of that. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. It looks like it's going to be a pretty good read. And I'm excited to talk about it with our book club soon. My biggest gripe with the books that mention mental health a lot is that they don't accurately portray it. So if it's not accurately portrayed or it's just like portrayed in a way that completely romanticizes it, I, I don't know if I'd be able to finish it. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, romanticizing mental health is always so hard when it, it's just like, come on, there are people that are suffering from these things and you're going to make it like it's fun. You know, like I just recently right. read not too long ago, a book about this girl where she just kept saying, well, I'm bipolar, I'm bipolar, I'm bipolar. And there was like, oh my God. no, like real not diagnosis because it's a book, but there was like, you could just tell that the author was just using that as explaining why she had mood swings, you know? Was she kind of so, using it? Was she kind of using it as like a personality trait? Yes. And it's like, come on. Come on. We're past that. <laughs> right. Oh my but God. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. it. Like I said, it has a lot of really good reviews. It's got a high rating. Um, people are saying, like I said, that it tugs at their heartstrings. So I'm excited. And I absolutely love the cover. I think the cover is beautiful. I think that it looks like it's going to be a good book. And I'm excited. That once again is Someday Maybe by Ani Nwabanelli. What are you currently reading? I am about to start reading Pretty Girls by Karen Slaughter in preparation for our very first author spotlight episode that's going to be coming at you in early January. I'm actually very excited for this because I enjoyed the last and the very first book that I've read by Karen Slaughter, which was Pieces of Her. I mentioned it last episode. This one sounds super interesting, even though the synopsis is super short. I'm still super excited to read it. 20 years ago, Claire Scott's eldest sister, Julia, went missing. No one knew where she went, no note, no body. It was a mystery that was never solved, and it tore her family apart. Now another girl has disappeared with chilling echoes of the past, and it seems that she might not be the only one. Claire is convinced Julia's disappearance is linked. But when she begins to learn the truth about her sister, she is confronted with a shocking discovery, and nothing will ever be the same. So... You don't really learn much from the synopsis, obviously, but having had my experience with Karen Slaughter and pieces of her, I just know it's going to be full of detail. And that's what I'm very excited about. I just hope it picks up a lot faster than pieces of her did for me. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's going to be really hard to keep reading. So I read this one maybe last year. And from what I remember, it throws you right into right into it. Check though, everyone, you check trigger warnings though, because there are, there are some very sensitive topics discussed in this book. So definitely go on to StoryGraph and check the trigger warnings for this book before you start reading it. But it, it was really good. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Again, that was Pretty Girls by Karen Slaughter. So before we get into our themed reads, let's do a quick little holiday theme this or that, Rachel. Are you excited? Yay, I'm so excited. So my first one for you is, now there's two parts to this question. First question is on trees and the second question is on house. Do you prefer white lights or colored lights and why? Colored lights on both house and trees. I just think holidays should be full of color. Um, and they seem a lot happier to me than just stark white lights. Okay. Okay. I definitely see your reason. Um, I agree with the colored lights on houses because I think like you said, the white light's super boring, but I do like white lights on my tree because I want the color to come from the ornaments and, and the like decorations and stuff. But that's just, that's just me. Gingerbread house or gingerbread men? 
gingerbread all around, <laughs> but I'm gonna say gingerbread men because gingerbread house is so not easy to put together. I don't understand why people are like, oh, this is so much fun. I did it with my kids the last weekend and I had one kid just straight sucking the frosting out of the tube. <laughs> I had another kid that like could not figure out how to get the pieces together. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> I was like, oh, we're a mess. I couldn't even figure it out. It was way too hard. I mean, it was fun, but it's just, I'd rather just eat gingerbread men, but gingerbread is delicious. I absolutely love it. What are you to house or men? Um, definitely men house just seems like too much work. I've never made one, but I have no desire to make one simply because I feel like <laughs> I would not succeed. <laughs> They're, and they always fall like after a few minutes, right? Like it's I've like seen, too competitive. Oh my God. I've seen too many videos of gingerbread house disasters that I just don't want to be one of those disasters. Eggnog or apple cider? Okay. Eggnog. Yes. Woohoo! Yes. I'm so glad. <laughs> I love apple cider, but come on, this is winter. True, true. Eggnog is so good. Like I've actually started heating it up and putting it in my coffee and I make like eggnog lattes with it. I use it in place of the steamed milk and it's so delicious. It makes it so creamy and it's just sweet enough. So good. Snowball fight or snowman building? Okay. I'm going to say snowman building 100% because I've been hit with a snowball (laughs) and it does not feel good. (laughs) Yeah. But was it like an icy snowball or like, girl, it don't matter. They all hurt. They all hurt. And I think that it was like, it's because it was packed too tight, but still like, no, I'm good. I like haven't successfully ever built a snowman, but I've definitely tried. It's way harder than it looks. Oh, no, it's super hard. And then like, you have to put like scarves and hats on them. And then you basically sacrifice a scarf and a hat to the outdoors for like a week. Do you celebrate on Christmas Eve or Christmas with opening presents? Christmas Day for opening presents. It just feels wrong to open them early. So my family, what we used to do is we used to open presents from our family on Christmas Eve. And then presents from Santa, we'd open on Christmas. So in the talk of Christmas... We're going to get straight into our themed reads. Now, our themed reads of this week was, like we said, holiday themed. So I'm going to let Rachel go ahead and talk about the first book that we read together. And that was called Holiday Romance by Katherine Walsh. Holiday Romance has a four-star rating on Goodreads. It is about Molly and Andrew, and they're just trying to get home to Ireland for the holidays when a freak snowstorm grounds their flight. Nothing romantic has ever happened between them, but once a year for the last 10 years, Molly has spent seven hours and 15 minutes sitting next to Andrew on the last flight before Christmas from Chicago to Dublin, drinking terrible airplane wine and catching up on each other's lives. In spite of all the ways the two friends are different, it's the holiday tradition neither of them has ever wanted to give up. Molly isn't that bothered by Christmas, but Andrew is a full-on fanatic for the festive season, and she knows how much getting back to Ireland means to him. So instead of doing the easy thing and just celebrating the holidays together in America, she does the stupid thing, the irrational thing. She vows to get him home and in time for his mom's famous Christmas dinner. The clock is ticking, but Molly always has a plan. And as long as the highly specific combination of taxis, planes, boats, and trains all run on time, it can't possibly go wrong. What she doesn't know is that as the snow falls over the city and over the heads of two friends, who are sure they're not meant to be together, the universe might just have a plan of its own. Ooh, let's get into it! I'm so excited. (laughs) What did you end up rating it? I ended up rating it three stars. Okay, okay. I did two. 
I, yeah, I only did two stars and the ending got one star for me. I felt like it was, there was no chemistry. I, I felt like it was very boring in a way. I felt like there was just, it seemed forced between them. Like it was kind of like a brother sister kind of thing. You know, it was just weird. Yeah. What Molly and Andrew have to me, it was strictly platonic that when they did have any sort of like romantic scene happen, it just seemed so weird. I did not enjoy this, the spicy scene. You know what I'm talking about? It was like, it was awkwardly written. And not only was it awkwardly written, but it kind of felt like someone was writing it that has never written smut before or seen like any PG-13 scenes in their lives. Yeah, it was it was just awkward. Um, the thing I did enjoy about it and why I didn't end up writing it one stars was because I did like the whole flashbacks to the past flights. You know, that was interesting to me. Watching it like progress in a way was interesting. The banter at times was People keep saying that it was like such clever and funny banter. I found it just like kind of weird. The main character yeah, was, seemed I, like a little tryhardy. She was kind of annoying. It's like, so first of all, she is a lawyer who makes tons of money. She hates being a lawyer that makes tons of money. She loves food. She wants to be a food tour guide. Do food tour guides even exist? Is that a thing? Can you go on a food I tour? don't know, but I'm going to look it up and I'm going to do it because if I could get paid for eating, <laughs> that is my literal dream. So I, <laughs> look it up for me. Like the whole thing is just so ridiculous. I do like that it's geographically accurate though. Because I mean, I'm from Chicago. I've been to Dublin. I've been on a plane to Dublin. So I know firsthand that they actually have catalogs of stuff that you can buy. So anyone saying in a review that that's not accurate, it was when I flew to Dublin in 2018. Okay, but why did you rate it three stars and not like two or one? Like what gave it that extra oomph? I liked the story. Like I thought the concept was there for a cute story. It was just very Hallmark movie-esque. It was cheesy, but at the same time, I liked the idea that the author was going for. It actually held my interest, so that's a star. I thought that the characters were actually, like, pretty well-developed. I mean, Andrew could have used some more development, but, like, I felt like I knew who Molly was. I felt like I know I knew who Zoe was based in the short amount of time we got to know her. So I thought, like, character personalities were spot on. And even though, like, I hated the ending, the ending was just so terrible. I just thought, like, the overall plot and the flashbacks were really good. Like, again, I like the ideas. So that's why I got three stars from me, even though, again, there's no mm. chemistry and it's a romance, which obviously mm -hmm. knocks off some stars. I agree with you. I did like what the author was trying to do. And I did even think that Molly was pretty developed well. Like I felt like I knew who she was. I don't think Andrew was developed well. No, I don't think Andrew... his character really had much. No, that fell flat for me because I wish we knew who he was more. I think that would have made us more connected to him. Yes. Yeah, that's what I think was missing in this. Like, if you're going to have two characters that you have all this, you know, all this underlying chemistry, like, we need to know where it came from. Like, we need to feel that. We need to be part of that. And I, I right. did not feel a part of it. Right. All we know is Andrew is a professional photographer of some sorts. We don't know <laughs> anything else. Nothing. <laughs> we didn't learn anything about him. So my second one 
was actually, I'm going to get into the DNF first. And if you're a non-bookish person, DNF means did not finish. Um, it's something we use in the bookish community. If we're reading a book, that's just so terrible that we just, we just got to stop. Like we just, uh, uh-uh, no more. Uh-uh, I'm done. I am not going to waste any more time on this is what it is. I tend to not DNF. I maybe do two or three DNFs a whole year. And so when I do DNF something, it's a big deal. I have actually three books now that were in like my top books of all time. I wanted a DNF in the beginning. So I stick it out because I'm like, you know what? You've done this before and it ended up being great. This one, no. This one I couldn't. This is called The Christmas Wish by Lindsay Kelk. And it's basically a, looks like it's a Groundhog Day kind of Christmas romance thing. But first thing first, within 10 pages of the book, I came upon five quotes that I was just, I I was like, what? So I'm going (laughs) to read them to you. Here's the first quote. This year has been a bear and not the good sexy kind. What? So it's been a hard year. Whatever. That was a really weird way to say that. Second, my stomach performed a clumsy death drop into my pelvis more than three months. And I still couldn't hear his name without wanting to wash my hair with honey and headbutt a beehive. What? I can think of a way better way to say this. And that's like my stomach was, or my stomach dropped more than three months. And I couldn't hear his name without going crazy or feeling some type of way. Like why you gotta he- want to headbutt a beehive with honey in your hair? Like that, you're just doing the most, Lindsay. Like you're doing the most. Are you ready for this one? <laughs> I'm not, but yeah, sure. Not like full Grinch, more like partial Grinch, just the Grinch tip. What? Ew. It's awkward. And I'm pretty sure she was talking about like her brother or something. Like it was just, it was just weird. And I got one more and this one's got a bad word in it. The only thing he's stretching is his receptionist blank. You are 32. You are not allowed to get relationship advice from a 14 year old on TikTok. Okay. What? Like the sen? I just, I couldn't, I couldn't. I DNF'd it because that was just within 10 pages. That was so bad. The writing was just like garbage. So that was my second one. And I DNF'd it. What was your second? Hopefully you had a better one than me. I did. This one was actually one of my favorite reads of the year so far. It's called Kisser Once For Me by Allison Cochran. It has four stars on Goodreads and I gave it five. It checked off all of my boxes. So this story follows Ellie Oliver. She's a recent transplant into Portland, Oregon, and she had her dream job in animation and a Christmas Eve meet cute with a woman at a bookstore that led her to fall in love over the course of a single night. But after a betrayal the next morning and the loss of her job soon after, she finds herself adrift, alone, and desperate for money. Finding work at a local coffee shop, she's just getting through the days. Until Andrew, the shop's landlord, proposes a shocking drunken plan. A marriage of convenience that will give him his recent inheritance and alleviate Ellie's financial woes and isolation. They make a plan to spend the holidays together at his family cabin to keep up the ruse. But when Andrew introduces his new fiancé to his sister, Ellie is shocked to discover it's Jack, the mysterious woman she fell for over the course of one magical Christmas Eve the year before. Now Ellie must choose between the safety of a fake relationship and the risk of something real. I don't typically go for fake marriage tropes in books, but this one worked because it wasn't exactly fake marriage. It was just fake engagement and that engagement ended up fizzling anyway. And the plot worked. It worked so well. Ellie was such a wonderful main character. She's a mess. Like she was fired from her animator job that she got her master's in for. She works at a terrible coffee house with a terrible boss. She can't afford her terrible dingy apartment. 
her life is just so messy and she's just lost and it's just filled with humor. I I loved it. I loved everything about it. Absolutely love that for you. Like that sounds like it was right up your alley. Sounds like a great book. Uh, So what (laughs) other holiday read did you get to? So this last one is, um, it ended up being a four star for me, which I was so shocked. And it's funny, Rachel, because I remember talking to you about it and I was like, this seems dumb. And it was, but it ended up working. So that's called The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox. And that has a 3.6 rating on Goodreads with almost 50,000 ratings. But I liked it. I rated it four stars. So this book was a feel-good holiday-themed romantic comedy about identical twins who switch lives in the days leading up to Christmas. We have Chef Charlie Goodwin, who gets hit on the head in LA on the set of her reality baking show. And she loses a lot more than consciousness. She also loses her ability to taste and smell, which are both very critical to her success as show judge. Meanwhile, Charlie's identical twin sister, Cass, is frantically trying to hold her own life together back in their quaint mountain hometown while running the family's bakery and dealing with her ex, who will not get the memo that they are over. With only days until Christmas, a desperate Charlie asks Cass to do something they haven't done since they were kids. Switch places. Looking for her own escape from reality, Cass agrees. But temporarily trading lives proves more complicated than they imagine, especially when rugged firefighter Jake and gorgeous physician's assistant Miguel are thrown into the mix. Will the twins' identity swap be a recipe for disaster, or does it have all the right ingredients for getting their lives back on track? So like I said, I rated this four stars. Once I got past the fact that there was a lot of cheese, and it wasn't too much, though. It wasn't overwhelming. It was a good amount. It was very hallmarky. I've realized with romances um, that there's a lot of unbelievability to it. It was fun. You know, it was cute. It was quick. It was told in alternating perspectives from Charlie and Cass. And I absolutely loved both of them. They both were trying very hard. And of course, because it's a holiday romance, there was some romance involved. I felt the chemistry. Like I felt like it was something that could really happen. And that was The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox. So my other holiday romance. I did not finish it yet. I'm still trudging through it. I'm 60 pages into it and I I don't even know what to think of it. So it's called Eight Perfect Hours by Leah Lewis. On a snowy evening in March, 30-something Noelle Butterby is on her way back from an event at her old college when disaster strikes. With a blizzard closing off roads, she finds herself stranded, alone in her car, without food, drink, or a working charger for her phone. All seems lost until Sam Atwood, a handsome American stranger, also trapped in a nearby car, knocks on her window and offers assistance. What follows is eight perfect hours together until morning arrives and the roads finally clear. The two strangers part positive they'll never see each other again, but fate, it seems, has a different plan. As the two keep serendipitously bumping into one another, and they begin to realize that perhaps there truly is no such thing as coincidence. So first of all, This American man named Sam, he is a mountaineer from Portland, Oregon, stranded on a highway in England. That's all the context I have about Sam. And this 32-year-old Noelle, the main character, which the story is told from her point of view, she has a koala umbrella in her car and it has ears. And that's like her whole personality so far, is that she has a koala umbrella. Rachel, I brought receipts. Rachel was texting me throughout this, and I'm going to tell you exactly what she was saying. These are our texts. She said, I'm on page 40, and I might DNF. And I said, that's funny, because I just DNF'd one, too. And she said, now there's a truck handing out food to stranded drivers. 
does it even blizzard in England? I need to Google that for accuracy. <laughs> and then she said, the food is a cheese sandwich. I can't even, which I can't either. Like, could you not be more creative? <laughs> and then you say, <clears throat> 10 minutes later, also the word snow is said three times in one sentence. This 32-year-old woman has a koala umbrella with ears. I dot, dot, dot. I said, stop, you're lying. She said, a lady just fell on the ice and cracked her head open. This guy, (laughs) there's a guy playing the banjo. (laughs) She said, this mountaineer is saving the day and cleansing her wound. And I said, oh, yeah, let me guess. The main character is swooning over that because that's totally what you do when someone falls and cracks their head open. Like, that's ridiculous. That was all within, what, 40 pages? Literally. Like, I <laughs> I want to DNF this book so bad, but I can't because I just want to know what other ridiculousness happens. Like, it's entertaining for me at this point. You're making me, like, your play-by-play earlier is making me want to read it, too. Because those things, like, <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone falling and cracking their head open and someone just playing a banjo in the background. A woman, a 32-year-old woman with a koala. <laughs> koala umbrella with ears and a cheese uh, <laughs> a truck handing out cheese sandwiches on the side of the road like and that's only 60 pages i need to know what is the name of this book again it's eight perfect hours by leah lewis okay. while we're on this topic of interesting reads i'm going to share a novella that i had told rachel to read because i read it and i was like i need to talk about this with someone if you don't know what a novella is, it's a short book. It's under, I believe it's under 100 pages. And this book was exactly 42 pages, it looks like, on Goodreads. It has a 3.9 rating, which I don't know how. And that is The Gift by Frieda McFadden. Now, before I get into this, and before you guys cancel me, I want to say Frieda McFadden is awesome. She is a great author. I feel like this book would have been so much better if it was not a novella. I feel like if it was stretched out into a regular size book, it would have been good. I feel like because it was shortened into just 40 pages, we didn't really get what we needed to get from it. Do you feel the same way, Rachel? Yeah, all I got from it was a bunch of ridiculousness. It felt like the author was just throwing as much shock value as she could at you in 40 pages. It was kind of like a brain dump. Like, I feel like it was just bits and pieces of like ideas for a story. The synopsis is, it's Christmas Eve and Stella Hansen is broke. She is so broke that despite working two jobs, she can't even afford a present for her husband on their first Christmas as man and wife. But then a mysterious storekeeper at a pawn shop offers Stella an intriguing trade. Stella wants more than anything to buy her husband the Christmas gift of his dreams, but will it come at a terrible price? (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. So it's 47 pages. It's on Kindle Unlimited. And it will only take you like 30 to 45 minutes to read. So definitely check it out, especially if you have Kindle Unlimited. Once again, Frida McFadden's an awesome author. She's an awesome person. I've talked to her in person. I've been on a Zoom calls with her. She's been, uh, she did a appearance in our book club a while back. But onto our newest and latest and best. What am I, what is that word I'm looking for, girl? Segment there. Our newest segment. It is called the TBR Knockdown. So basically what we're going to do is every week we're going to take the oldest book from our TBR and read it. And we are going to try and knock our TBR down. Now I know, granted, we're probably going to be adding books as well. 
there's books that have been on my shelf for over, I think over three years and I want to get to them. Did you get, were you able to get to your, your TBR knockdown this week, Rachel? I was able to start reading it. I didn't finish it. I'm enjoying it so far. I really like this idea of having a TBR knockdown because it's actually forcing me to read things that I put in my TBR like almost 10 years ago. So the first one that I'm getting through right now is The Lovely Bones by Alice Siebold. I added it to my TBR in 2015. It has a 3.84 star reading on Goodreads. And it's a very, very dark book so far. Like if you are faint of heart, super dark stuff, murder, like assault makes you super uncomfortable, do not pick it up. Do not read it. Because even I was like, oh my God, what is happening? So the synopsis is, my name was Salmon, like the fish. First name Susie. I was 14 when I was murdered on December 6th, 1973. So begins the story of Susie Salmon, who is adjusting to her new home in heaven, a place that is not at all what she expected, even as she is watching life on earth continue without her. Her friends trading rumors about her disappearance, her killer trying to cover his tracks, her grief-stricken family unraveling. Out of unspeakable tragedy and loss, the lovely Bones succeeds miraculously in building a tale filled with hope, humor, suspense, and even joy. I would argue that there is no joy so far in this book. But again, I'm only on like chapter three. But it's like I said, it's very dark. And the very first chapter was hard to read. I suggest like check out trigger warnings for this book. Storygraph is very good for trigger warnings. It's my favorite place to go for them. Again, that is The Lovely Bones by Alice Siebold. So there's also a website called doesthedogdie.com, I believe. <clears throat> and you can look up trigger warnings there as well. It was originally founded by someone to let you know if the dog dies in the book, which I absolutely love. That's another good place to check trigger warnings if you don't have a story graph. So my TBR knockdown, my oldest book on my TBR is called The Death of Mrs. Westaway by Ruth Ware. And it has a 3.82 rating on Goodreads. Now this book, I want to say has been on my TBR for three years. And it's actually, I'm about half, a little over halfway through and I'm liking it so far. I am questioning the main character's decisions, but I'm liking it so far. So it is a, it is a book by Ruth Ware who I have actually four of her books on my shelves physical. And I believe all her books on my TBR. So, and I'm liking her writing so far. So I'm definitely going to, you know, read the rest of them. I'm excited for that. So on a day that begins like any other, Hal receives a mysterious letter bequeathing her of substantial inheritance. She realizes very quickly that the letter was sent to the wrong person. Soon, Hal finds herself at the funeral of the deceased, where it dawns on her that there's something very, very wrong about the strange situation and the inheritance at the center of it. This is an unputdownable thriller. My things about it so far, I like it. It's got a lot of family secrets. It's got some like locked room mystery and it's reading like an Agatha Christie retelling kind of, and I'm actually enjoying it so far. It's not too dark, but it is dark. That was my TBR knockdown and I'm hoping to get it done hopefully by tomorrow. Rachel, did you add anything to your shelf this week? Yes, I did. So I added Deadly Little Lies by Stephanie DeCarolis. I actually talked about her debut, The Guilty Husband, on our last episode that I really sort of liked. And so I really want to try reading this one. It seems to me like it's going to be a popcorn thriller. So I'm excited to read it. So this one is about Juliana Daniels. Um, she finally has the life she's always dreamed of a loving husband, a career as an attorney, and a cozy apartment in Manhattan to call home. But when she gets a message from an old college friend, her blood runs cold. 
Juliana drops her phone as though she's been scalded. The name Jenny Teller shines out from the screen, but Jenny can't have sent that message because Jenny is dead. Juliana's other college friends have all received the same message. The four of them are the only ones who know the truth about the night Jenny died. It's a secret they have kept buried for 15 years. With Jenny now blackmailing them and threatening to expose their secret, only one thing is certain. Someone else knows the truth about that night or one of them is lying. I'm super excited to read this. It sounds so good. I've been getting into thrillers recently, so this seems like it's right up my alley. And especially after reading The Guilty Husband by the same author, Stephanie DeCarolis, I'm excited to read it and see if her writing has improved or if it stayed the same, how the storytelling is, if I like it more than that one. Again, that was Deadly Little Lies by Stephanie DeCarolis. Have you added anything to your shelves this week, Ariel? I did. So I added John Mars's newest book, which um, I'm not sure if you know about John Mars, but he's mostly famous for his book, The One, which is, I believe, a Netflix series now. And it was about a online dating thing gone wrong. It was it was really good. So I loved his writing in that book. So I figured I'd try his newest book out. I have all of his other books on my TBR, but I just added his newest one because it says it's a Black Mirror-esque thriller. Mm-hmm. And he tends to write books like that. And I absolutely am excited. It has already, it's not even out yet. And it already has a 4.5 rating on Goodreads. And it says, basically, it says, what if marriage was the law? Dare you disobey? Britain, the near future. A right-wing government believes it has answers to society's ills. The Sanctity of Marriage Act, which actively encourages marriage as the norm, punishing those who choose to remain single. Before couples are about to discover just how impossible relationships can be when the government is monitoring every aspect of our personal lives, monitoring every word and every disagreement, and it will use every tool in its arsenal to ensure everyone will love, honor, and obey. Sounds like a dystopian science fiction mystery thriller that is right up my alley. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I love his books. He has he has like two two types of books, and one of them is like the more science fiction-y, like dystopian kind of books and then he has um as the domestic suspense books so i'm definitely mm-hmm. gonna give this one a try eventually you know five years from now when i get down to my tbr <laughs> <laughs> but um that was my latest addition to my sh- ever-growing shelf and what was that called again the marriage act by john mars with two r's well rachel that was an awesome episode two Yes, I had so much fun batching these holiday romances, these holiday movies. (laughs) So we're actually going to take a week break because we have, as you guys all know, Christmas is this weekend, technically this coming up weekend. So we're going to take some time off to spend with our family, but we will be recording at the end of next week and we will have an episode releasing the first Wednesday of January. And that's going to be our best of 2022 episode. So we're going to talk about the best books and the worst books of the year. And we're going to ask some of our friends on Bookstagram. And we're going to ask our listeners, if you could give us your best and worst book of 2022, so we can add a few listener reads on here. Please let us know. We will definitely shout you guys out. Well, Rachel, I had a wonderful time and I hope you did too. And I will see you next week. See you next week. Happy reading. Happy reading.